You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly every Monday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Also on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how was your weekend? How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, it's dope to be here. The weekend was, it's, it was all right. It was all right. Nothing too nothing too too special but you know it was all right it was all right but uh overall man i'm just glad that the nba playoffs is here um a lot to talk about a lot to discuss uh sun's not making it even though they go undefeated i mean the grizzlies had the afc coming into this they end up dropping out i mean just so much going on a lot of storylines a lot to get into and maybe some potential upsets i mean yeah we're gonna talk all about it this episode um and also with this past weekend make sure you guys are staying inside staying hydrated because it is hot as hell over here in socal i don't know where you guys are listening from but sheesh i think what tuesday wednesday it's gonna be hitting 105 from where i'm at so triple digits so just make sure staying safe out here yeah let's start off with on this day August 17th, we're throwing it back to 2013 at the World Championships in Moscow, Russia. Usain Bolt would take home the gold medal in the 200-meter race. Take a listen. They're away. Bolt's into his running. Jamili also off terrifically fast. So too Nicol Ashmead of Jamaica. But here comes Usain Bolt round the turn. Into the straight. He's away ahead. He's going to go further ahead, surely. The other Jamaicans, Ashmead and Weir, could get a 1-2-3. Jamili's running pretty well. It's Warren Weir closest to Bolt. Bolt eases across the line. Warren Weir in second place. Then I think on the inside, Curtis Mitchell just got through to get the bronze medal. It was pretty close. Just uh, preventing a Jamaican clean sweep there. Wins zero, 19.66. Fastest time in the world this year. And another gold medal for the one and only Usain Bolt. I mean, the fastest man in the world, right? (laughs) Yeah, he would go on to win two more gold medals in the 100-meter race and the 4x100 relay during this tournament, making him the most successful male athlete at the event. Corey, actually a little bit of backstory on the world championship in Moscow is actually pretty funny because Russia was going to be the first home nation to have the most medals won and they were going to obviously win the event. However, after this qualification to a Russian sprinter for doping and following redistribution of the medals, it was deemed that USA had the most medals in the recount. Can you just imagine that? Like, you're like, oh, we got this. We did it for the home country. And then now we just got disqualified one of our medals. And now the USA won. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, that was like around the time when like 
people like all eyes started to start getting up on Russia a little bit on as far as like doping and uh, as far as uh, performance enhancers and stuff like that with their athletes. And it's kind of crazy that we even talk about like, you know, that whole situation, because I, I know like Russia, the uh, soccer team, they hosted the World Cup three years later and then they knocked out Spain and like mm-hmm. after they knocked out Spain the memes were just flowing in the people saying like oh they're doping they're doping something's not right here <laughs> something's not right but one man uh, who isn't doping though is Usain Bolt that man is insane it's so crazy like when you look at like all of the guys who have gone up against him or tried to like measure up against him if not all of them, majority of them were caught at some point for doing some level of performance enhancer, but not Usain Bolt. So, I mean, just goes to show, man. I mean, he, he he's done it at pretty much every level and he's dominated the competition and there's nobody who is anywhere near his level. He's in competition with himself every single time. And I always thought like it was so crazy, like in every single one of his races, if he never like pulled up, and he was just running full speed the entire race, this dude would be setting, like, crazy records every time. He'd be breaking his own records. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty much what he would do again and all again. All the time. But I've always – I mean, th- we always have this discussion of uh, football speed and then track speed. So it's like I've always wondered if Usain Bolt ever laced up the cleats, got on the field, and, you know, maybe raced Tyreek Hill because I've – I, I think without a doubt, Tyreek Hill is the fastest guy in the NFL. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that would be a, a fun little race. I mean... Uh, Do it for it, charity, man. Yeah, it would be fun to just see him, like, go up against, like, other athletes from other sports that think that they're fast. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, a different story if you come up against the you know, dude like you saying. You know you're going to see Ocho Cinco in that mix. Cause that oh, yeah, always. for sure. Like, everybody, everybody's going to want to get in on that because of competition and stuff like that. But, yeah, that's just... That's just one of those things, like, as a kid that you you just wish what you got to see happen or you got to see, like, a race like that. Like that would I feel be like fun. if they were all in, like, their prime, you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like ESPN, like, they could get a lot, a lot of money for just televising an event like that. Like, that would be, that would oh, be something dope. Absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, Usain Bolt's gold medals just keep racking up. But speaking of awards, let's talk about the NBA, man. I mean, playoffs coming around the corner starts today. And, I mean – we had the bubble awards just come out uh, this weekend. So let's start off with the main award, which was the NBA bubble MVP. It was unanimously voted uh, Damian Lillard. He helped the Trailblazers go six and two in the eight seeding games, helped them to the eight seed guy averaged 37 points a game over nine assists per game, four rebounds a game shot close to 50% and uh, shot 43% from behind the arc. So, Corey, do you think Lillard was deserving of it, or are you giving it to someone else? I mean, I feel like he was deserving of it because he got them. If you look at what the, the Trailblazers were before the bubble and before the restart and look at where they ended up in the playoffs um, and getting that eighth seed when they were looking like they were pretty much down and out of it, Damian Lillard really wheeled this team into that position. And – Obviously, in the last final uh, couple games, C.J. McCollum definitely uh, stepped up his game. Yusuf Nurkic in the last game, for sure, he came alive in that game. Uh, had a crazy double-double. And I think that overall, Dame was the main the main reason that they got it. I mean, if they would have gotten to the playoffs, I, th- I definitely think that uh, uh, Devin Booker would have had a shout for uh, the from the Phoenix Suns. But I think since, if you just look at the 
the way that things kind of played out, I think Damian Lillard willing, uh, definitely deserved it. But I wouldn't I wouldn't have been shocked if they gave it to D-Book, but I understand why they gave it to Lillard. Yeah, unanimous is the part that I was a little surprised about, but I'm also not going to argue against that because of what he did. I mean, especially in his last three games of the right. seeding games. 51 points, 61 points, and 42 points. I mean, right. exactly. it's insane. I mean, kind of hard to argue that, but I exactly. mean, I, get, I, get I mean, that he totaled 154 points within those three games, which made him the only player to ever do that in that span of games, which is I mean, insane. he did say, he did say, because put some respect on his name. So, I mean, he, he definitely earned a lot of respect. If you didn't have Damian Lillard's respect prior to these performances, I think you pretty much have to give it to him now. Right. And I mean, I feel like a lot of people, including myself, had written off the Blazers. And, Me too. Me too. I'll say that. I'll I mean, they wasn't even sure if he was going to play in the restart because he thought he was like, I didn't come here to waste my time. And he even said that in the postgame interview when they locked up that eighth seed. So he mm-hmm. was like, and and he wasn't going to come here just to, you know, play eight games and not make the playoffs. So he made sure and he stuck by his word and made the playoffs and, you know, flipped the script and kind of carried his team to the playoffs. But I feel, like he upped his, I feel like he upped his his stock as well, like as far as um, like now people are saying like he, arguably he the best that, point guard. I mean, people are really saying that yeah. he's above Curry now. Like they feel like now I'm personally, I still think that Curry's still holding that one spot. Same. But now I kind of have to think like maybe maybe Lillard's one B. Like, I don't know. I mean, like I feel like it's a conversation. And I think a lot of people right now will would take Lillard over Curry yeah I mean I they're just so similar like I I understand it I understand where they're coming from but I still got to give it the nod to Curry like Curry's Curry's that guy and you know honestly would we even be talking about Damian Lillard the way we're talking about if the Warriors were fully healthy this season Mm. and Damian Lillard like so you gotta take that all into account but no not that's why I say that's why I said like next season is gonna be so much fun because the Warriors are going to be fully loaded and all back, and they're going to have, whether it's another star or the traffic that they land. So it's going to be really fun to see how the West kind of plays out, and then obviously we have free agency. But, right. yeah, I think that, yeah, like you said, that, that is a good point. Like, would even the Trailblazers be in the playoffs if the Warriors were fully healthy? That is a good question. So we'll see next season. All right, let's move on. We had the coach of the bubble, Monty Williams. He coached his team to be the only undefeated team in the bubble. Shout out, Monty Williams. But they missed the play-in game by a half game. Or no, actually, they tied. Sorry for the play-in game, but they missed the eight seed by a half game. Do you think Monty Williams was deserving, or do you think it should go somewhere else? No, I got to give it to Monty Williams. And I've always felt Monty Williams – this is what I never understood about uh, his whole situation because, I mean – I remember he started out, he was with like the Pelicans organization. And just when they start getting good, just when they started to maybe like get over a hump and they fired the dude. And I was like, that made no sense. And they hired Alvin Gentry. He never really did anything. He never really took the Pelicans into the playoffs and could barely get over 30 games. And then Monty Williams comes back with this Phoenix Sun team that unanimously, unanimously people didn't think had a chance and you know what of even getting into this position that they were in. But lo and behold, they go on an eight-game winning streak, which is something that hasn't been done in God knows how long. So, I mean, shout-out to Monty Williams. Shout-out also to Devin Booker. And shout-out to this young Phoenix Suns team that now all of a sudden 
people are really starting to get interested in looking at the landscape as far as the Phoenix Suns. They're a nice young team, but Devin Booker is starting to now mature and he's starting to get into his prime years. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they can sort of push this team into a playoff contender. With Monty Williams right now, I mean, hats off to the guy. I don't think you can argue anybody else for it, the coach of the bubble because beat teams like the Clippers, the Pacers, the Heat, Thunder, 76ers, and the Mavericks twice. And these guys probably had the longest shot to making the playoffs coming into the bubble. Six games behind the eight-seeded Grizzlies, and they finished the restart with the same uh, record as the Grizzlies. So that just goes to show how crazy uh, the, the, that Monty Williams, um, you know, get a game plan for this uh, NBA restart. But this team, I, I feel like, regardless of the coach regardless of you know whoever was on their team they always had a question of their identity they always were wondering who is booker's number two going to be who is the right coach for this young team who's a good point guard to play alongside devin booker and then who, who who are those wing defenders that you can have and can you know go down low to grab those boards as well and i think they've started to answer a lot, if not all those questions this coming season. So it's going to be really interesting moving on to next season, because especially having this eight or no record in the bubble, that is a lot of lot of positive to carry on to next season. And I mean, the thing is we just talked about it. They're in the Western conference though. <laughs> it's like, right. it's so damn competitive. So it's like, who's to say that they're on the outside looking in. Yeah, Again. and the and the thing is, is that I think they're just like one all star away from being in the playoff conversation. But I mean, you could pretty much say that with all the <laughs> potential teams that were vying for a playoff spot this year. I mean, uh, if if New Orleans maybe had a, another all star, if Memphis had another all star, maybe they get in. So I mean, it's it's that competitive in the West, and it's it's no easy games. It's no days off whatsoever in the Western Conference. Yeah, and. Devin Booker, believe it or not, the guy's only 23 years old, and he's already ha- he already has the most 30-point games in franchise history for the Suns at th- 23 years old. Yeah. Insane. But let's move on to more awards. We had the first team and the second team all bubble announced. Uh, on the first team, it was Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Harden, and TJ Warren. The biggest thing for me was there was no position restriction. And that Mm -hmm. was kind of the first thing that popped out to me. Because when I saw all these guys, I'm like, four out of these five guys are guards. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you have one fourth. So I was very confused. But with this list, do you think anybody should be replaced? Or do you like the list the way it is? I mean, the list is cool. But I guess the one thing that's kind of confusing, if you look at both first team and second team, no PG, no Paul George whatsoever. And I mean, the dude balled out in my eyes i thought he I thought he had a, a pretty solid performance maybe he didn't play enough games maybe that that could be a situation but i don't know i felt like he kind of got snubbed in that aspect of not being on either the first or the second team yeah the second team consisted of Giannis antetokounmpo Kawhi leonard christoph porzingis karis lever and michael porter jr let's start off with the first team though i think this team I had four out of the top five scores in the bubble. And Luka Doncic was the sixth top score, but he was 0.3 assists away from averaging a triple-double in the bubble. Right. So it's only right, right he right. was on that list. But, I mean, out of these guys, like, if you look at this list, out of these guys, Lillard and Booker are the only ones that played all eight games. So mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting to see, too. But 
I have no complaints since there was no position restrictions from the first team. But with the second team, I mean, Giannis, Kawhi, Porzingis, those guys were all written in for me. Those guys all proved that they should be there. Two I was kind of iffy about was one was Karis LeVert. It was kind of hard to argue against him just because this Nets team was arguably the second worst team in the bubble. Maybe even the worst (laughs) coming into the bubble. I mean, no KD, no Kyrie, of course, Mm -hmm. and then no DeAndre Jordan and no Spencer Dinwiddie. And Mm. LeVert basically put this team on his back and they went five and three and locked up that seven seed. And they actually almost ruined the Trailblazers postseason hopes in that last seeding game as well, too. Karis LeVert went off. He averaged 25 points. Uh, almost seven assists and five rebounds in the restart. And the biggest thing I'm right there on board with you is Michael Porter Jr. got that nod over Paul George. I think Paul George should have got it over him, but I get why he got it solely because of the narrative and his background coming into the NBA with the injuries and falling in the draft so far. But PJ yeah, definitely came alive. He, he MPJ definitely came alive in this one. Yeah. He definitely made all the teams that passed on him regret it in the restart. Like, dude averaged 22 points a game but yeah i think a lot of people forgot that like michael porter jr was even in the nba until he kind of like had these level of performances he did in the bubble yeah but i'm right there with you when it comes to paul george i mean he averaged more points more assists more steals and the crazy thing is he shot 50 percent from behind the arc while making four a game it's kind of crazy that Kawhi got in and Paul George didn't. <laughs> well, well, if you think like Kawhi, it's not to say that Kawhi was bad. It's just like I felt like PG out of the games that they had played, I felt like Paul George was playing better. Like he, like you even said, like in the exhibition games, uh, PG was looking better than Kawhi, and he even was in, in in like the first few bubble games. PG was looking better than Kawhi, so. But the thing is, Kawhi, like, when, when I think what it was is that game without Paul George against the Nets, Kawhi, I mean, they still lost against the Nets, but Kawhi Leonard went out and dropped, I think, what was it, 37 to 38 points, so that kind of helped this case as well. But, I mean, PG-13 is looking like he was in OKC, if not better. His mm-hmm. confidence is through the roof, and him and Kawhi in these bubble games have been playing great together. Looking like a scary duo, for sure, going into the postseason. Yeah, let's talk about the postseason actually right now. We're going to give our first round prediction, who's going to win and in how many games. Let's start off in the East. We got the Bucks versus Magic. The Bucks won the regular season series 4-0. They locked up the best record in the NBA, but did not look very convincing in the bubble. And then the Magic got the eighth seed, but have major injury concerns with Aaron Gordon, Mo Bamba, Michael Carter-Williams, and then obviously Jonathan Isaac out for the season. Corey, what's your prediction for this matchup? Sweep. <laughs> it's a sweep. One word, sweep. I feel 4-0. But then again, uh, the Magic did surprise everybody. Uh, have have been that, that team that can surprise people. And I remember they did surprise the Raptors. What was it, last season? It was last season. To, yeah, they stole, they stole a game off of them. So. But and that's actually in, why I have the Bucks winning in five, because I have a feeling that the Magic may just steal one. From I mean, the Bucks, there's always that. There's always that game, that one game where DJ Augustine decides, yeah, yeah, I still play. <laughs> right? the, I still play in the. Yeah, I still play in the NBA, and yeah, it's time for me to go off now. DJ Augustine just decides, yeah, I'm just gonna go off for for random reasons, and he did it last year. And you're right, he might do it this year, but I just feel like, I don't know. After I saw Giannis headbutt Mo Wagner, I feel like 
this dude is really fired up right now. I feel like this dude is ready to comes the Dane Zidane right there. I really do. I feel like this dude is about to swing on somebody like seriously. Bro, no, he got yeah, he was getting tested during the seating game because I remember against the the Nets, he was literally I forgot who it was. I want to say something PJ Williams. I think it was PJ Williams, who's kind of a no name player on the Nets roster, and he was just getting in Giannis's head, and Giannis was literally about to deck him and then the refs <laughs> held him back and he Giannis even told the refs you, you could read his lips and he was like i'll beat the shit out of him <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's funny but i mean yeah. the bucks right now the thing that's not convincing me is their defense their defense right. they can't they like they have robin lopez they have brooke lopez they have antetokounmpo down low to guard the paint but perimeter wise these guys can't stop a three from being made it doesn't matter who the hell it is but it like for, for being one of the best defensive teams, a top three defensive team in the regular season, to now having giving up the seventh worst points per game to opponents out of the bubble, out of the 22 teams, it's bad. It's real bad. And I think that's why they may slip one game to the Magic, but I think this should be a series where they really, really need to hone in on their defense and getting their shit together because in the East, if their defense stays this abysmal, it could be scary. Mm. Yeah, I feel you on that. All right, let's move on. We got the two-seeded Raptors versus the seven-seed Nets. Uh, Raptors won this season series three to one. Believe it or not, the Raptors are favorites to sweep. They're minus one fifty. <laughs> think about that. That's insane to think that they're a favorite to sweep. And the, do you believe the Raptors will sweep? I feel like Karis LeVert is going to do something stupid. I feel like he's just going to do something crazy and just go off for no reason to have like a 50 or 40 point game. And then it's going to be like, oh, he's just going to prevent like a sweep and force the Raptors to have to play one extra game in the first round. So make sure you put your bet down. I'm going to take that bet. I'm going to take that bet. I'm going to take the dance to get at least one game. Cause I don't yeah, because it's getting, minus 150 right now. So I don't go see ahead and place your bet. Man, I don't see them getting more than one. But if they get one, you talk about a payday. For sure. <laughs> I mean, I I honestly think the Raptors will sleep. I think they they actually right now, given the Bucks situation, they're my favorites in the East right now. Especially the way the okay. Raptors have been playing and the way That's the Bucks fair. have been playing. So, I mean, That's fair. we were talking about Karis LeVert. Guy's a dog, and mm-hmm. he like, but I think he can only do so much for this team, especially with Raptors are one of those teams where they're so 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 consistent on defense. It's like, and and I think with wing defenders such as OG Ananobi and Norman Powell and Terrence Davis, I mean, but what I just I'm think, banking on, what I'm banking on is for them to have one of those games that like they did against who was that in the bubble? They had like one of these like just really bad games where they couldn't, they were turning the ball over, they were missing wide open jumpers, and they were just looking like. Like the old Toronto Raptors was it from the like Celtics? 20- Yeah, that's what it was. It was against the Celtics. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were looking awful. And I'm hoping that they have one of those games. And then like Karis <laughs> LeVert is just like, yeah. yeah you can cash out on that bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. About to drop 50, 40. Watch out. Because I mean, like a Benet just get one. That's all I need. Yeah, I, th- I think the Raptors are in the sweep. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Even if Lowry shows up or not, which he's infamous for not showing up. I mean, I think that's they're still true. Chilling. But man, true. this this Nets team, they have a lot to look forward to next season. Like insane. I mean, when they get back KD, Kyrie, Dinwiddie comes back, and even DeAndre Jordan to a certain extent, those guys right there make up 70% of the team's 
2019-2020 season salary cap and all those guys were missing. So just add all those guys. And there's also been rumors about the Nets trying to trade for a Bradley Beal or maybe even CJ McCollum if things don't work it out in Portland. Because I think... I don't know. I feel like that team would be like the the Carmelo Anthony Denver Nuggets. I feel like they would look good on paper, but I don't know how they're going to actually work out on, I uh, mean, on the court. To their benefit, just, they are in the East. That's another topic for another day. But yeah, like you said, to their benefit, they are in the East. But I don't know. I just, on paper, I'm just not sure against like Raptors and against the the Bucks. Well, I think they the- would be able to, you know, over um, to get over those those other two teams. And get I out think the, the biggest East. question is going to be KD, whether he can come back full strength after his Achilles injury or not. But if he also, does, also we've seen like with Kyrie, uh, these being past the second option. I mean, he can be the second option. He showed that in Cleveland, but it's just like the the past his experience with uh, his final season with Cleveland, and then the whole situation there, requesting a trade, getting out of there. Then with Boston, you think like, oh, you know, Kyrie's going to be a, a big help to them. He's going to get them over the hump. Uh, after a season where they got to the Eastern Conference uh, Finals, and they 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 get just destroyed by the Bucks in the second round. So uh, I, I'm just curious to see whether or not Kyrie is going to continue this trend of being a quote-unquote locker room cancer, or is he going to go back to the old ways of, you know, being that assassin and that just deadly point guard scoring type player that just puts up crazy numbers and dazzles the crowd with his handle uh, like he used to back in Cleveland. So, I mean, Kyrie, this is a big year coming up for him as far as um, trying to revitalize his career and also injuries as well. He's been heavily injury prone these past few seasons too. So Kyrie, I mean, I feel like a lot of pressure is more riding on Kyrie than it is KD. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, next season, I think that's going to be one of the biggest things is the Nets in general, what's going to be the landscape of that team. But let's move on to the next series. We have the Celtics versus the 76ers. The Sixers won the series in the season 3-1, to one, and obviously no Ben Simmons had knee surgery and is done for the season. Uh, what's your prediction, Corey? Um, I'm going with the Celtics to win six games. So I'm going 4-2 Celtics to win game six. Um, I think that I know Embiid is kind of 50-50. I know, obviously, no Ben Simmons, which is a big big loss for the 76ers as far as defense-wise, maybe not so as far as offensive-wise. And ever since he kind of went down, I thought the 76ers were going to play better offensively, but they just seem like they have – not been in the right cohesion. And even when he was playing there, I saw like a lot of times where just a lot of miscommunication and they just seem off. This team just seems off. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on with this team, but they just seem very inconsistent and not a lock for me. And with them bouncing out of the first round, I think this might be a, a similar situation that we saw in, in, in soccer, where as soon as the Celtics beat, and knock out the 76ers, Brett Brown, I'm sorry, man, but you're probably going to get fired. I've been saying that. I've been saying that Brett Brown needs to get fired. But, I mean, with the whole – after Ben Simmons went out in the seeding games, Sixers went two and three. And, like like you said, Embiid is dealing with the injury himself with his delicate body, per usual, and sat out the last two seeding games. But he should be ready, game one versus the Celtics. But 
actually, it's pretty funny that the Sixers are plus 11.5 points per 100 possessions when Embiid plays without Simmons on the floor. And when they play together, they're only plus 1.8 points per 100 possessions. But I think, like you said, where the, the Sixers are going to miss him most is on defense. He's on my all-defensive team, first team. And I think when you're going up against it, a team like the Celtics that has multiple guys that can handle the ball with Tatum, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, and Hayward, like <laughs> Simmons absence is going to be, is, is going to be very prevalent and it's going to make it tough for the Sixers to win any games. And I think Embiid, which it is possible, but I think Embiid's going to have to go crazy and average something like 35 points per game and 15 rebounds. If the Sixers have any chance of winning this series. Yeah. The biggest question mark is his health and whether or not he can, stay on the floor for a good majority of the time. Cause even when they've had Embiid, we've seen when it gets to the later stages of the season and, and, and when it gets to the playoffs, Embiid hasn't really been able to stay on the court a whole lot, but you see when he stays on the court, I remember when they played Miami in the first round a few years ago, he just dominates. <laughs> they had mm-hmm. no answer for him. They had nobody that can stop him. And I think the same thing is with the Celtics. If Embiid is on the floor, it's going to be very tough for the Celtics to be able to guard him because they don't really have, like, a legitimate big man. Because Ennis Cantor can't play defense. <laughs> and I guess Daniel Theis is, like, what, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, way too undersized to guard a guy like Embiid. And I think the whole reason why you brought Horford in, it was a huge question mark why you brought him in, but it was because he was this right stopper. Here. Exactly. So exactly. it's like it's, you got to really make sure that $140 million contract really pays out now. Yeah, so I mean, this is, this is going to be this is going to be interesting also to see uh, if Tobias Harris is able to come alive in this series as well, because I think the main question mark for me is like, yes, defense for the 76ers, but also who's going to be that guy that's going to step up and be the number two for Embiid? Because is it going to be Al Horford? Is it going to be um, uh, is it going to be Tobias Harris? I mean, who's going to be that guy that's going to be like, okay, I know, like, Embiid needs help. Let me step up and be, you know, the number two if, or I, the I Robinson. Think, I think Tobias is Harris is going to have to at least drop 25 a game it just to be deemed as uh, a productive number two option, at least 25 points. Because the thing I've been saying, and I'm glad the Clippers traded him, is that I don't think he's overrated. I think he's overpaid. For, mm. for a player like Tobias Harris. Like, he's a great player, but he's just way overpaid. Yeah, I think, I think like, like he, he fits really well. Like, when he was on the Magic, I wouldn't have been surprised if they, like, you know, made him, like, their best player as far as, like, you know, Even on the Pistons. Yeah, even on the Pistons. Like, that's what I mean. Like, he's, he, he's that guy where it's, like, I'm not too shocked if, like, a team, like, that's trying to get into the playoffs – you know, sees him and is like, oh, that's going to be like our guy. That's going to, he reminds me so much of like a Chris Middleton, like a guy that like I could see on like the lower teams being like a number one, but really he's not a number one. <laughs> and then, and then, but when he gets onto like a team like the 76ers or like a team that's vying for not just a playoff spot, but, you know, trying to win a championship, he makes a good number two, number three. So now that Simmons is gone, he now has to elevate his game and has to go back to being like, he was with the Pistons and with the Clippers. One last thing, like with the Celtics, I guess like not even just with this series, but I'm interested to see like how they do going forward after this series, because I know like a lot of Celtics fans always like their biggest complaint about Brad Stevens is sometimes 
he kind of just gets in his own head. Like he kind of just overcoaches, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. you just got to let your guys go out there and just produce on the floor. And I think a lot of times in the playoffs, yeah, the game slowed down. Yeah. You get into the half court. Yeah. You need to run sets. You need to, you know, know your offense and you need to make sure that you have like different stuff, different set plays that work. But on the same time, when you need a bucket, just give it to your go-to guy. And I think that was like why him and Kyrie were always clashing when he was with the Celtics. And now that like you're seeing that he's kind of letting them flow a little bit more, you know, whether it's Kemba, whether it's Tatum, whether it's Brown, whether it's Hayward, whoever's got the hot hand, you're kind of letting them kind of go and letting them uh, not have to still play within the flow of the offense. And like whoever's hot, they're just, they're just letting it fly. Yeah, that's a really good point that you made about Brad Stevens. I mean, he still is a young coach. I think this is going to be good experience for him having so many ball-dominant players uh, like the Celtics do right now. But let's move on to the last matchup in the Eastern Conference. We got the Pacers and the Heat. The Heat won this regular season series 3-1. to one, And obviously the big story is TJ Warren coming out of nowhere into this matchup averaging 31 points in the bubble and making the all-bubble first team. But in his last matchup that he played against the Heat, he only scored 12 points on 35% shooting, which was his lowest total in the games in the bubble. And I think that's a credit to the Heat's uh, wing defenders in Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, Andre Guadal, and Solomon Hill. So what are your predictions for this series, Corey? I think this is going to be a really, really tough series. More, It's going to be probably like the most physical series that we see in the first round as as far as like the East goes, I feel. And we might even see like a couple fights. We might see like, you know, some, some you know, guys getting each other's faces, some confrontations. I feel like that's going to happen. I hope especially so. With the, especially with the history of both TJ Warren and Jimmy Butler. And just with these teams in general, they've been notorious. If you look at like these franchises' histories, of having those those sort of uh those sort of battles in the playoffs, but I feel like the Heat are just going to be a little bit too much for the Pacers, and you just seem like their body of work throughout this season, and especially in the bubble, uh, the Miami Heat I think are going to be really tough with Bam at a bio. I feel like he's going to be a matchup nightmare. I feel like um with the just the the defense as well. I think that's what Miami's going to really hang their hat on in this uh in this postseason campaign is just trying to just frustrate teams on the defensive end and try to make sure that they're uh, getting easy buckets in transition. And so I feel like Jimmy Butler is really going to be a staple and really going to lead the team and in, in this mindset of not letting up. And, and, and similar to, I, I just want to see how, cause I mean, it was interesting to see how when he was with the, you know, similar young team with the Timberwolves versus now with the heat, I kind of want to see like how he leads this heat team in the playoffs versus how he kind of like led the Timberwolves, even though obviously they were going up against a very tougher uh, team in the the Rockets. I feel like this will be a lot more interesting because he's got a team that I feel like is on the same level as him in the Miami heat. Yeah. And Jimmy Butler actually came out and said that the TJ Warren, Jimmy Butler beef is actually quote unquote dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw that. I'm hoping I'm hoping that's not true because I would love to see some fireworks in this series. Well, but... I mean, you know, he's going to say the right thing. He's going to say, like, you know, I'm not going up against T.J. Warren. I'm going against the Indiana Pacers. My job is to beat the Indiana Pacers. And he's saying the right things. But, you know, when we get on that court, it's a totally different story. I mean, that man, go back. People, if you don't know, go back and watch 
The yeah, words that, that were exchanged between TJ Warren and Jimmy Butler, and just in the post game interviews as well, like the the beef looked real, and it looked like some serious stuff was going on between them. And I know that was months ago, but overall, I mean, <laughs> I, I just feel like something's going to happen. Because, I mean, we even saw, like, with the Heat, like, Duncan Robinson got into it with uh, Chris Paul, and Jimmy Butler just trucked Chris Paul and was like, yeah, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't, you don't try to bully my teammate like that. And that's the type of player that Jimmy Butler is. He, he, he's always going to stick up for his guys, and he's always going to defend his guys. And I feel like that's going to that's gonna spill out into this series. It just has to because of the type of DNA that he has as a player and this team has as well. Yeah. Uh, in this series, I got the Heat going in winning in six games. And I think that's just a big factor with you no know, DeMontis Sabonis. And then with right. Victor Oladipo still really not finding his rhythm ever since he's been back right. this season. He only yeah, I, haven't, I haven't heard nobody talk about Victor Oladipo. I mean, that, that's only because he scored. He's only scored over 20 points once in this restart in eight games. So, exactly. I mean, it's going to be tough for the Pacers to win this series if TJ Warren's their go-to guy and basically the Heat hone in on him. And it's like, who do you really have? Malcolm Brogdon isn't that guy who can get you 20 points a game. He's more of a guy who can get you maybe 12, 13 points a game, but he's more there for the playmaking and for defending role. Like, so, yeah. I mean, Victor Oladipo is going to need to step up in a big way. And, I mean, <laughs> it, it's to a point where we're talking about Gogo Batazzi, who's freaking making a making a, a a statement from as a backup big man to Miles Turner. That's what I'm saying. I'm like Miles Turner might be like one of the biggest disappointments as far as uh, he was like coming into the NBA. He was like this young prospect, and he looked like he might be something serious for the Pacers. But I don't know what's happened to him these past few years. But it's just been like. I've been Miles saying Turner this. Who? I think it's I, I've been saying this. I think it's the system he's in. He just doesn't fit in Nate McMillan's system. Mm. especially alongside DeMontis Sabonis when Sabonis was there. It's just because Miles Turner is a guy that can stretch the floor and can also protect the rim as well. He's one of those like rare hybrid players. And I think alongside with Sabonis, who stretches the floor as well, Miles Turner isn't really known for his post game or for his interior offense, which is something that he really needs to work on. <laughs> that's why I don't think he he kind of fits the system of the Pacers because the Pacers, I mean, even when Oladipo went out last year, like the Pacers were still fighting for for a mid playoff spot for home court advantage, which they eventually got. But I think this team still struggles to find their identity with, like I said, Oladipo and then the injuries and then with Miles Turner, like you mentioned as well. But I think the Heat just have so many scoring options in the series and guys that can do it on both ends of the floor that I have I have them winning this series. Yeah, me too. All right, let's move on to the Western Conference. We got the one-seeded Lakers versus the eight-seeded Trailblazers. Lakers won this series 2-1. to one, And I, I'll, I'll let you go first. What's your prediction, Corey? Well, how about a shout-out to Charles Barkley? Charles Barkley said we would get this matchup, and he said that the Portland Trailblazers, Ernie, will beat the Lakers if they meet them in the playoffs. I'm like, yo. And people might say, like, that's crazy, but how crazy is that? I mean... It's crazy. It's crazy, but I feel like this will go... I'll say it'll go six, but I wouldn't be... If it goes to seven, I'll be very concerned if I was a Lakers fan. But if this goes... I feel like this is going to go to six. Just because of the, the the way that the Portland Trailblazers are playing, and who knows, they might be dead tired right now. They might be worn the freak out after all the the playing that they've been doing. But hey, when when you know you you're you're playing desperate, 
maybe that desperation will still spill out into this first round playoff matchup against LeBron. And let's let's bear in mind, it's been a long time since, you know, like LeBron has gone out extremely early <laughs> in the playoffs. So, you know, he's going to be motivated, you know, coming off the season that, you know, he had a year ago. And then also, you know, with the whole Kobe thing and just like a lot, I feel is, is riding on the line with the Lakers and, they didn't really look all that impressive coming in, but I feel like game one is going to be, that's going to be the game where I feel like Portland can maybe steal one, but overall, ultimately, I feel like the Lakers are going to win in six games. I I don't even have six games. I said Lakers in five games. I didn't even want to give them five games. I could have gone with the sweep because don't get me wrong for how high powered this trailblazers offense is and how good they are. They can't defend a parked car. That's how bad that shit is. Like these guys <laughs> are terrible on They've been giving up a lot of points. Yeah. Like 130, 140. Like it's been crazy. Well, like, let's talk about their Damian offense Lillard. first. I mean, Damian Lillard, hottest player going into the playoffs. I mean, averaging 51, over 51 MVP points a game in the last three games, named unanimous bubble MVP. CJ McCollum still shows that he can has that killer closer mentality, even with a fractured back. And then Carmelo Anthony, he's given some life to the latter part of his career. Gary Trent's finally that scoring option off the bench that they've been looking for in so long. And then Yusuf freaking Nurkic is playing the best basketball of his career. But they cannot defend shit. <laughs> These guys have the second worst points given up in the bubble at 123 points a game. And, I mean, this is when they're really, really, really missing Trevor Ariza. Because if they had Trevor Ariza, we'd be this, – this is a different ballgame we're talking about. They're also mm-hmm. missing guys that they had last year in Mo Harkless, in Alpha mm-hmm. Aminu. They really mm-hmm. need those 3 and D guys. But and since they don't have them, I just think there's no way, no way in hell that they steal at two games, one minimum. I'm giving them one minimum just because out of respect for Dame, but – a lot of Laker fans and NBA NBA fans are fearing for the Lakers, but I think they for, tend to forget that LeBron James is on the other team. Yeah, is a yeah. different freaking beast in the playoffs. That is true. That like is true. even though he hasn't been, you know, producing to the standard that we want him to produce in these seeding games. Come playoff time, you know that guy is an absolute beast beast and I think also when Rondo comes back as well their offense is going to open up a lot too when LeBron goes to the bench if he goes to the bench but I mean if they can if if they can even just somewhat guard Damian Lillard I think the Lakers will be fine like even if you hold him to 35 points a game because I think the Blazers only way they're winning this is if he averages over 40 points a game and he really puts the team on his back which he has the capability of doing but Frank Vogel is such a good defensive-minded coach. You saw back in Indiana when they were going up against the Heat, took them to six games, took them to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron. So he has a defensive centerpiece in Anthony Davis and then two amazing bigs in JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard coming off the bench too. So I think Frank Vogel is going to do a great job game planning for Damian Lillard. But people just tend to forget that LeBron James is LeBron James in the playoffs. Yeah, I think think also – the biggest thing will be who's going to help Dane because it can't just be all Dane. I mean, obviously, when it's crunch time, clunch time, uh, Dane time, <laughs> you expect him to be the guy to hit the 40-foot bomb, the, hit the 30-foot bomb or whatever, or hit the big-time shot and get them over the hump. But I need to see that level of performance in that game against the Grizzlies 
from Yusuf Nurkic, I need that man to do that this entire series. And I know that's a big ask because he's going up against AD. And see, the thing is, is like the the Lakers, they do have Dwight Howard. They have JaVale McGee. But people sleep on the fact that Trailblazers have Whiteside, mm-hmm. Nurkic, Collins. I mean, they got some big men of their own, too, who are definitely going to try and uh, punch it inside. Sleeper big and, man on the Blazers, Wendell Gabriel. Don't sleep on him. In the seeding games, he's proven that he can definitely get – I don't know if he's going to get minutes, obviously, because rotations are shortened, but wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and then I think, like, another thing also is that the the Lakers uh, uh, 3 and D guys haven't really been playing up to the standard that they were. And then also with no Avery Bradley, which is another big, big loss that, you know, a lot of people are kind of sleeping on. But I think for the Lakers, it's not going to be – it's obviously you expect LeBron to show up. You expect AD to show up. But I think for them, they're going to need that extra guy. They're going to need either a Kyle Kuzma or a Danny Green or they're going to need an, another name to come into the mix to help them if they're going to try and stomp out the the trailblazers in five or less Kuz's um, defense has has improved ever yeah, since yeah yeah this, yeah 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 i mean i called happened. him out he must have heard he must have been listening to the show i mean he <laughs> he must have been listening to the show because I, I called him out and all of a sudden the defense started getting real and, and another thing is that like everybody is saying that like mellow is turning back the clock but i mean like he's playing the same way <laughs> He's playing the same way. He's just playing the same way. Get the ball in the post, turn around shot, getting on the elbow. But I think he's actually know, making hitting the jumper. Actually, yeah, like, I mean, if that's he the looked in OKC, thing. if you looked in OKC, he, he was wasn't taking hitting. those shots and he, he wasn't, wasn't hitting. hitting them. No, that was the and big he, thing. He and him hitting. and Westbrook literally would not see eye to eye because he's like, yo, I need to see the ball more. But it's like, but it's like you ain't here, nothing. <laughs> but like over here, he understands that Dame and CJ are those guys. I think there's still some animosity with, Carmelo Anthony and Gary Trent. I've seen it in the the seating games where Gary Trent will be wide open, but Melo will just shoot in someone's face. Typical I mean, Melo hey, shit. That's, that's what Melo does. I know. Yeah, but, you can't get mad at what Melo does. Melo does yeah, what he does. So. That that mid range post is turning back the clock. Definitely yeah. with that mid range post game. But see, that's the one reason that I would probably say that the Trailblazers are not going to upset the Lakers in this matchup is Carmelo Anthony. It's just because I don't. I just don't feel. Like when if this was maybe two or three years ago, maybe this would have been like a whoa. Maybe the the Lakers bit off a little bit more than they can chew. But I, I don't know. I feel I feel though that a lot of people are just expecting this to be like a one, two, three, four, and we out, or maybe a five at best. But I feel like this is gonna be Warriors Clippers of last year. This is gonna be that matchup that's gonna be like oh, we just expect them to just get them up out of here, and then it's gonna be like whoa. Why do why are we playing game six? Right. <laughs> Potentially maybe even a game seven. Hey, 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 hey. But hey. then again, at the end of the day, they have LeBron on their team. That's all I'm gonna exactly. say. That's the big difference. That's the biggest difference is LeBron James. But hey, who knows? I mean, he might he might pull a Miami Heat against Dallas. I mean, who knows? Who knows? I doubt it. Come on. Doubt- I'm I'm telling you, the Trailblazers defense is abysmal. There's no way that can happen. <laughs> There's no way that can happen. All right, let's move on to the next matchup. We got the two-seeded Clippers against the seven-seeded Mavs. Clippers won the season series three to zero, 
And man, if you thought I was thrashing the Trailblazers defense, <laughs> wait till you hear what I have to say about the Mavs defense. They have the worst defense in the bubble, allowing 126 points per game. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love me some Luka and Porzingis. And he does. And he does. <laughs> but I think they're going to get swept. Oh. I think it's going to be a sweep. It's it's both their first playoff series. And their defense is terrible. And I think even in crunch time, their offense has been lost many times, many, many times. Mm. So, and I mean, yeah, I, I just think that. I think the Clippers have so many bodies that they can throw at Luka. I mean, you got Kawhi, PG, Pat Bev, and then, heck, I guess you could even throw Marcus Morris into that mix. But If you just really wanted to. Right. But don't get me wrong. Luka's averaging 29, 7, and 7 against the Clippers. So, great. I but expect those sh- numbers to go down. <laughs> I expect but shooting-wise against the Clippers, 43% from the field and only 27% from three-pointer and has 15 turnovers against them in three games so i mean and you know Kawhi and pg are gonna ramp up it defensively look in the playoffs look i i need if, if it's gonna be a sweep the only way i see it being a sweep is if Kawhi and pg look at luca like jordan and pippen looked at cool coach the first time they matched up against him if, if they look at him like that then yeah this is about to be a sweep get up out of here but I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to – I think that the Mavericks will get one game off just because I, I, I feel like you said, like, you know, Luka is just going to – he's going to give – he's going to give the Magic, you know, one game and one extra game to play. He's going to give the Clippers one extra game to have to play in the first round. But overall, I, I feel like just – the Clippers are just going to smother the the Mavericks, and it's going to be very difficult. But I feel like they'll get one game off. Well, you know Kawhi. That man loves his load managing. So he's going to try to finish him for get up out of there, see how much rest he can get between the next series. But, I mean, people also tend to forget Montrezl Harrell is coming back too. So this team is so, so deep. And I know we talk about the rotations being shortened, but this team can afford to go to a 9-10 man rotation in the playoffs. And yeah. I, I expect this – I expect this series to be very, very high scoring just because these are the top two teams in the NBA offensive rating wise. So I I expect it to be a very high and fun scoring um series. But again, like when even when they played in the in the seeding games, it was a very close game throughout, but then crunch time, the Mavericks just crumbled and PG and Kawhi just went off on them. So that's kind of why that's my prediction. Let's move on to the next matchup. We got the third seeded Nuggets versus the six seeded Jazz. Nuggets won the season series 3 0. And the biggest story is no Mike Conley because he has a newborn. So, congrats to Mike Conley. Congrats. But uh, what are your predictions for this matchup? That's a big loss for the Utah Jazz. I'm going to say right now, this is a really difficult one to call because. You look at the season matchup, it favors the Nuggets, but you look at the history between these two in the playoffs, it favors Utah. And I would say the best player, I know people are going to find this controversial, the best player in this uh, series is Donovan Mitchell, in my eyes. I know people will probably say Jokic, but just based off the bubble games, I don't know, man. I feel like Jokic losing the weight was probably the worst thing he could have done. Just because when they matched up against the Jazz, he looked like he was getting bullied by Rudy Gobert. And that's going to be one of the biggest things to pay attention to is Rudy Gobert versus Jokic. Because I don't know if 
Jokic can guard Gobert because he could just get offensive boards and obviously catch lobs and dunks and all that type of stuff, which I, did, I didn't know this, but until they said it, but Rudy Gobert leads the league in dunks. <laughs> but, I mean, that's surprise, all he surprise. Can, he can, that's all he can do, but I mean, for sure. Yeah, this guy still gets mad when he doesn't get the ball. It's like, bro. Yeah, that's so funny. Like, he gets so mad. It's like, dude, all you can do is dunk. But respect to him. I mean, he can defend and lock up. But overall, man, I mean, it's so tough. Because if your best player is Jokic and you're the Nuggets and he struggles, then I know Jamal Murray can get up in there. I know Jeremy Grant has been pretty solid for them. And I know they won the matchup uh, in the bubble, but man, I just feel like I wouldn't be shocked if the Jazz win this series. But I'm wow. a mean, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Jazz win this series. But I guess I'm gonna take the Nuggets to go ahead and and knock them out in six. Okay, yeah. So I I think you hit the nail on the head with the Jokic Gobert matchup. I mean, that's the one that everyone's gonna watch. You got the most dominating defending big man in the league versus the most crafty big man in the league. So, and Jokic has definitely gotten the best of Gobert averaging 29, 12 and nine while shooting 56%. And I think to your argument about Jokic losing the weight, yes, he's, he doesn't have the the body mass to move a guy like Gobert in the post, but he's a lot, lot more quicker. And if you saw in their matchup against the seat in the seating game, he fouled Gobert out in regulation and come overtime, those two overtimes, they were really, really missing Gobert because they don't have a solid big man. Fine, it was Tony Bradley. So that's not going to cut it against guys like uh, Jokic. And I think the biggest X factor is going to be Michael Porter Jr. And I think he's going to, he's already proved it to the restart that he's more than capable of carrying the scoring load. When if Jokic and Jamal Murray have an off day, Michael Porter Jr. is more than capable of doing that. And I think that's why I actually have, well, it also depends on when Mike Conley comes back with like, or if he even comes back with, with his newborn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I actually have the Nuggets in five games this series just because I think losing a guy like Mike Conley is so devastating defensively to guard and guys like and uh, offensively too to guy to guard guys like um, Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. Yes, I think he has the potential to be the best player on the court at the time. But in the restart, he's only shooting 39% from the field and 37 38% from three. So his efficiency, he's a, such a wild card. He can, like, against the Nuggets in that double overtime game, the guy was looking like Kobe Bryant out there. <laughs> clutch shot after clutch shot. But then there can also be Crazy. other nights where this guy's literally a hermit and is hiding in his shell. So. It's very wild card for Donovan Mitchell, and we've seen, well, we've seen him in the playoffs, especially when he was playing against the the Rockets. What was it, two, three years ago, something mm-hmm. like that, when he got injured, but he was still out there trying to play, and he was trying to come come back out the next game, even though he had like like a, a, a injury that was going to hold him out for at least two weeks. He was trying to play in two days the next game, so that just goes to show the type of heart and you know confidence that. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has, but I just don't think it's going to be enough against this loaded Nuggets team. Yeah, I think the um, when you talk, when you look at scoring wise, the Nuggets have so many different options that they can throw at you and they can hit you with. That's the biggest difference for me is that they have Jokic that I mentioned who often likes to play make and set other guys up. And then you got Jamal Murray that you got to worry about. You got Jeremy Grant, you got Michael Porter Jr. And then if you really want to get a little bit 
<laughs> a little bit, you know, different and mix things up. You can even bring Bobo off the bench. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people tend to forget about Monte Morris too and, and then, uh, yeah. Tory Craig. Yeah, exactly. Those two as well off the wings, looking very, very nice. So uh, I just feel like the Nuggets are gonna give the the Jazz some problems. But the 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 biggest thing though, I think, is that like I said, the matchup between Gobert and Jokic is probably what's going to I think make this this series probably extend out a little further and go to six. And I think the biggest question mark for the Jazz is besides Donovan Mitchell, I know Jordan Clarkson, he can come up, he can uh he's like, you know, a little spark plug. And he uh he, I think right now he's uh their second leading scorer. Uh I called it. <laughs> I called it as a no no boy on Bogdanovich. <laughs> yeah, so so and then uh Joe Ingles is always a crafty Jiggling Joe Ingles. Hey, he's that YMCA dude that hey, nobody yeah. wants to guard, but he just jays you up for no reason. So and we've seen him just light guys up in the playoffs. So would I be shocked if Joe just gets hot one game and just starts lighting it up and getting people and getting into the Nuggets bench talking crap? Nah. I mean, I, I just feel like the Jazz are gonna make this series a lot more interesting and maybe force it into six, and the Nuggets ultimately are gonna move on. But this is going to be a fun series, though. It is. I think even more fun series is this next series we're going to talk about, and that's the fourth-seeded Rockets versus the fifth-seeded Thunder. Thunder won this series 3-0. And get this, the Thunders had a 0.2% chance at making the playoffs this year after trading Westbrook and PG-13. Today, they're the fifth seed and are the favorites to win this first round matchup. So I'm not shocked. I'm really but, not shocked so, to be honest. Hold on, let's just clap it up for Sam Presti, Billy Donovan, and LKC Thunder. Let's clap it up. But coming into the series, like Utah, Houston's going to miss their starting point guard for the first few games. Russell Westbrook's going to be out. He's uh might miss a good chunk of this, this series. So It's a blessing in disguise, guys. Don't be fooled. It's a blessing in disguise. <laughs> But we got major revenge games, CP3 versus Houston and Westbrook versus OKC when he comes back. What is your predictions, Corey? I mean, like you just said, like everybody's floating that clip of uh, Chris Paul on the bench back when he was with a rocket uh, with the Rockets and uh, him and Harden are kind of going at it. And Chris Paul sticks up the hand and James Harden slaps the hand away like, <laughs> nah, get that out of here. Oh, man, it's going to be really fun because I know. Chris Paul loves to talk trash. And if Chris Paul has one of his Chris Paul moments and he starts going off, oh, you best believe he's going to start just talking mad stuff to the Rockets. Every, every time I think of that, I think of uh, him and Curry going back and forth. He did the shimmy, yeah. three in Curry's face to try to do the yeah, shimmy staring at Curry. Exactly. See, I, I expect that type, of, that type of nonsense to go on. But overall, man, I feel like uh, but I'll say this: the Thunder are the better team. The Thunder are the better team, but the Rockets have the better player. And everybody loves to say James Harden just fumbles in the playoffs, but that's against the elite teams. That's against the uh, the teams like the Spurs, the Warriors. You know, that's when he doesn't show up. In the first round, James Harden goes off. James Harden, for the most part, goes off, and he goes crazy. And I think he's going to go off and go crazy. And so so will his teammates. I feel like the biggest concern, obviously, is the fact that they're going to be super undersized. They're going to get out-rebounded. 
they're going to have a tough time dealing with Steven Adams. If Steven Adams does not average double digit rebounds, we have to have a conversation, but also I feel like if they can just withstand that and be able to do what they did throughout their games in the bubble, knock down shots, play solid on the defensive end, get out in transition and just do what you do and play in your system and play your game. The Rockets are going to win this in seven. Ah, I got the Thunder winning it at six. I just think no Westbrook is going to be, like you said, a blessing in disguise. I think it's actually going to be the opposite because I think Westbrook really figured out his play style within this Rockets team and realizing that he's not a shooter, which he's never really been a shooter. <laughs> and I'm glad That's he finally why I realized never it. That. I never got that. But I think he finally realized his role in this team and he's done a lot better job in, you know, spacing out the floor and, and the paint. Obviously, with no Capella in there, that paint is wide open because you have Covington on one corner, Tucker on the other corner, who are just catch and shoot. That should, It's a trigger. But with no Westbrook, it's going to be a, a loss in athleticism, a loss in intensity. So, But I will say, do not sleep on Austin Rivers because he dropped a <laughs> quad. Bro, no, he did. Dude, he dropped a quiet. Did you even know he dropped 41 points? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard about it. That. It was a pretty damn that. quiet 41 points I heard about, I heard in 33 that. minutes against Sacramento, given it was against Sacramento. But mm-hmm. I, I think they'll expect big things out of him in the absence of uh, Westbrook. But yeah, he I definitely think, turned back the clock to his high school mixtape days and his Duke days. For and sure. finally transferred over to the NBA. What? Yeah, um, finally. Eight years I mean, the later. Dude, the dude, the dude plays eight the years same later. way he did in high school. Yeah, he has a beard now. Yeah, he's gotten stronger. Yeah, he might have had a he might have added a move here and there that's different, but he plays the same way he did in high school. I was watching De'Aaron Fox on Twitch, and he was with his girl, and they were looking at Austin Rivers' mixtape. It was like, yo, he plays the same way he did in high school. It's crazy. <laughs> I think I, – I don't know how you could still doubt the Thunder at this point of the I don't the doubt season. them. I don't doubt them. But here's but my you're thing. you're writing though. them off. I'm not writing them off. I said it goes to seven, and they lose. Because I don't know. That's writing them, them that's off. That's not writing them off. I said no, it goes to seven. With, yeah, but it's with no Westbrook? With no Westbrook, that's a game of basketball IQ. I take the basketball IQ any day over athleticism, intensity, because this dude is going to be like, oh, I'm playing the Thunder. Oh, I got to shine. Oh, I got, I'm got. i going against my old team. Oh, I got to make sure. And it's like, dude, play within the system. James Harden is the leading scorer in the NBA. James Harden is the guy. James Harden is the best player on this team. It's like he's going to make it all about his one-on-one matchup, He's going to make it all about him trying to prove something to the team that traded him. And it's like, dude, we just don't need that. We don't need that right now. But so who are your perimeter defenders? Who's your perimeter that- defenders now, though, without look, Westbrook? Look, that's cool. That's cool. That's what all do you right. mean that's cool? I'm wor- I, what I told you what I was worried about. I was worried about rebounds. I'm worried about rebounds because that's going to be the hardest thing for the Rockets. The hardest thing for the Rockets is going to be trying to uh, not, out- it's not just get crazily out-rebound. And how are you going to be able to defend the big men down low? Because I, I said Steven Adams is going to eat. Also, um, Nerlens Noel off the bench, he might eat too. So you're going to have to play some solid, solid, solid defense if you're Houston. And that's one of the things that kind of just makes me nervous. But the reason I'm picking them is because when they get hot, 
when they get hot, you cannot stay with that team. You can't. They can come back at any time as soon as if all they have to do is just get hot from three. All they have to do, they can stay with they can stay close to you in a game. Or they can game, go real cold and miss 27 threes in a row. They're not gonna do that. They're not gonna do that. They're not, it's not gonna happen. Like I said, first round is not where they flop. They flop against the elite teams. And I'm sorry. I would put the thunder. I would put I'm the thunder up there. No elite. I'm not putting them in the. I'm just bracket. saying. I'm not what saying they, they had the elite players, but hear me out. I think CP3, and I've been saying this ever since the restart happened. CP3 does has done an amazing job with meshing this team together, taking a backseat right. to right. the scoring lead, right. and and he's allowing t- his teammates like Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Schroeder, Gallinari, and even Adams to handle the scoring load. And it's allowed CP3. This is the biggest knock of his career is he's his injuries and it's allowed cp3 to play 70 out of the 72 games that they've played this season and he's 34 years old so having cp3 out there as not only just a mentor for these young guys but as you know kind of that floor general that you have out there for for a team like the thunder who given cp3 is not out there this team is not in this the situation they're in right now and there's no way that billy donovan would be able to handle this entire team but that's why I'm saying is their chemistry is what puts them elite and their their cohesiveness is what puts them put I wouldn't say elite elite but I would put them on the threshold of elite so you talk about Westbrook and the injury loss that he's gonna have for the Rockets what happens when God forbid but I feel like it's gonna happen what happens when the wheels fall off for Chris Paul and he eventually gets injured this team's that, gonna fall apart yeah and that that that's a big if, and I think I'm. I'm it's right not there, a big but, if because he has like a huge injury history, especially when right. it comes. Right, but season. given what he's done this season, the regular season, it's not looking like that. If he all of a sudden change and decides right. that, okay, a this lot is of my wear and team. tear. It's a lot of wear and tear. That's all I'm saying. And if he, he a, if he decides look, he that, he took a shove from Jimmy Butler. I know he had to put the icy hot pack, the ice on. He had to. He had to get in a, a cool bath, whatever, because I know that was hard. That's yeah, but hard you want to know stick. you want to know what allowed him to take that hit is him taking a backseat to the scoring load and not okay. going up against bigs every single time. All right, because you All know right. you know even though the the Rockets don't have bigs, PJ Tucker will meet you at the rim. Covington will that's meet you be a at the fun rim. Matchup: Stephen Adams versus PJ Tucker. <laughs> it is, and I think that's where, like you were saying, is Stephen Adams will feast against the Rockets small ball lineup. And the thing that not a lot of people talk about is on offensive rebounds, he's not the type of guy who tries to go up. He's a guy who looks and finds open teammates in the perimeter. And when you have guys like Gallinari, Schroeder, SGA, and Chris Paul, you know, just chilling out there, just ready to spot up and shoot, it's going to be deadly for the Rockets. And I think the Rockets are going to have a heartbreaker and Thunder's winning six. All I have to say is, is that if James Harden goes out this early, it's going to be a very, 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 very long offseason for him to yet again get bounced out. And now getting bounced out in the first round, <laughs> then people are going to say if the, if the Rockets lose and if they don't, if they, if this doesn't, you know, if this is like a, a if like this is like six or less, uh, this is going to be a very, very, very bad look. Uh, Daryl Morey's going to be under fire. James, I don't. Harden. Well, the thing is, I don't think it's Probably. mostly. I don't think it's the front office. I think it's James Harden himself. Because if you look at this guy's statistics, statistically, this guy's ISO ball player. Like if you look at his, oh, if you look at his ISO numbers versus the next closest person with ISO numbers, it is. It's, far, it's not even close. It is a huge not even close. Gap. 
So it's maybe James Harden changing up the play style because it's like how also how many guys want to play with James Harden? Mm, like, so you think you think how many guys want to play with James Harden? You you think that? Well, think about it. The the only star you're getting on this team is through trades. Chris Paul. Yeah, because that's trade. that's Westbrook, because salary cap, right? That's because salary cap is tight, right? No, I don't think. I mean, yes, but no, because it's like think about it. What when was the last big name free agent signed with the Rockets? Dwight Howard. Come on now. Okay. All right. I'll just say this. It'll be system versus system. And I feel like the Thunder will prevail. <laughs> the, the Rockets, <laughs> when they get hot, are going to cause a problem. They're going to have one game where they, they hit at least double digit threes. And it's cool. going to be like, damn. Cool, like, cool every for sure. Three, yeah, that, that's fine. We'll give them one game. Every oh he's gonna give him one game. <laughs> nah, I'll give, I, real, I, I gave them real. two games in the but series. For real, but for real though, I feel like the Rockets though, the biggest thing rebounds. That's it. If they get the rebounds, it's, it's it's a wrap. I'm telling you, man. The Thunder are a good team. Great story. It's not gonna cut it. It's not gonna get it done. Because overall, this is where this man James Harden loves to thrive. First round. And he hasn't for the longest time. I ha- I don't recall. Correct me if I'm wrong, please, listeners. Correct me if I'm wrong. But when was the last time James Harden got bounced out in the first round? So, I mean, he gets bounced out against the elite, elite team. So I think and that's not to say that the Thunder aren't a good team, but I just feel like seven is where it's going. And ultimately, I'm going with the team that has been there, done that, gotten deep instead of this makeshift happy-go-lucky good story. Well, one thing we can both agree on is I think this is the series to watch for the entire playoffs oh, oh yeah. first round. Oh, yeah. I mean, so you want to bet on it? Well, what? You want to bet on it? Put money down on it. What's up? Put money. What's up? What's up? What's up? What you want to do? We'll put 50 on it. All right, 50. There you go. All right, 50, I got the Thunder. 50, 50 he got, I the, got Rockets. the Rockets. There you go. There you go. You heard it first here on the Nosebleeds. And if you guys, you know, don't bet, uh, don't bet, kids. Save your money. If you guys, if you guys, account. you know, just, just, yeah, exactly, exactly. But hey, I'm telling you right now, if you're a smart person, take the Rockets in this series. We shall see. All right, let's move on. We talked about all the first round matchups in the NBA. Let's talk a little bit about the NFL. We haven't talked about it in a while because there's really been a lot of stalemate going on in the NFL with. The season still looming and no preseason happening. So yeah, preseason actually, fun fact, preseason was supposed to actually start this weekend, this past weekend. Yeah, so let's talk about the NFL. I mean, a while back we had the fi- final players opting out this upcoming season. So it totaled to sixty-six players opting out for the season. Uh, we talked about it what a couple episodes ago about big names that did opt out and guys that added to that list after that. Big names are like Rashawn Melvin, cornerback for the Jaguars. Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns, both receivers for the Dolphins. Sam Beal for the Giants. Uh, Marcus Gilbert, uh, tackle for the Cardinals. And then Juwan James, tackle for the Broncos. Um, Corey, season starting in about three and a half weeks. September 10th, we got the Texans and Chiefs on Thursday Night Football. You think the NFL can finish the season without a bubble? Um. just judging off of what we kind of seen already with major league baseball and like the St. Louis Cardinals have barely played like a handful of games. <laughs> and I think like, like they've won 
so at first they had only like won like two games because they only had played like a handful of games already. And now uh, they were uh, whipping on the Chicago White Sox. So far, not looking not looking good as far as my sleeper pick to win the World Series. But overall, I mean, I, the MLB is having issues just being able to to try and con- contain uh, this whole situation. I feel like the bubble has been working. If you paid attention to the NHL, if you paid attention to the NBA, they've had no issues, no COVID uh, positive testings at all as far as leagues that have shifted to the bubble. If you haven't been shifting to the bubble, then it's kind of been kind of up in the air. And then I'm still yet to see, hear anything like, I mean, even in the UEFA Champions League, even though they shifted everything to playing in uh, Lisbon and uh, teams are still, you know, only playing in like one area and, 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 you know, staying majority safe. There have been a couple of COVID-19 positive testing. So I think playing outdoors and not in a bubble and travel. And that's, that's where the situation kind of gets out of hand is the traveling situation, especially with we've seen already with MLB guys are, I don't want to say not like following the rules, you know, but no, they're not. <laughs> you don't have to sugarcoat it. I mean, it's just, it's just like some things it's like, okay, I get like you want to go out or I get, you want to, you know, hang out with your boys or whatever, but People are kind of just it, it. Just it's just weird to me, like how some people just are acting like nothing's happening and they can just move however they want to move. Not report back to the team hotel. Just spending the night elsewhere. Yeah, like there was a situation with the Cleveland Indians mm-hmm. where they just were like dipping out mm-hmm. and they just did whatever they wanted to do. And it's like, what are you guys doing? And it was uh, it was Clevenger, like one of Trevor Bauer's homies and Zach Plezak. That's what I was so like crazy about. Is like. Trevor, uh, I was just watching a clip of uh, Clevenger talking with Trevor Bauer on his uh, on his uh, YouTube channel, Momentum, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm hearing the news, and I'm just like, wow, that is not something I would expect out of him to do. But maybe, and I'm I think wrong. that's the biggest that's part his... is that like they were so hypocritical about it too. They were like, yeah, we're not gonna go out. Yeah, we don't believe in that, and lo and that behold, ends up happening. So I mean, yeah. like, it's just crazy. So, but and then I... we look at things in the NFL situation and. I see that similar stuff happening. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I, it, in the NFL, if they don't do a bubble thing, I don't think it, it's the odds are not in their favor. I don't think that they would be able to finish the season. I mean, like you said, look at baseball Marlins, Cardinals, now the Reds all tested positive. And in less than a month, the season started and they've already suspended over 30 games. And what happens on a Friday when? randomly a dozen players test positive for COVID and you have a game on Sunday, like what's going to happen? Are they going to postpone the game? Are they going to cancel the games completely? Cause like, even if they cancel the games completely, what's going to, that's going to mess with the NFL standing. So there's only so many games, whereas in baseball, you still have 60 games in a shortened season. And I think also in baseball, it is much, much easier to reschedule a game than the NFL. Cause teams just can't reschedule and potentially have three games in 14 days. I mean, no. teams need to recover no, they it. They need a no, game plan for multiple opponents. I mean, it's just going to be a shit show for the NFL. And also, I think the NFL is just a lot more stricter with their schedule than the MLB is. And also, what happens if, if, a, if a team tests positive 24 hours after playing a game? That potentially takes two teams out of the league for the upcoming week in, in games. 
and then that ruins two other teams scheduling. So it's like, I think it's just going to become a big old domino effect. And in, if you don't do a bubble, it's going to be very, very hard for teams. And like you said, the Cleveland Indians, I think it, the odds are not in their favor for the NFL because there's a lot more players on a roster. And I just think with some of the NFL mindsets, we've seen videos on social media, guys love to party in the NFL. There's only so <laughs> much that they can hold within them. So it's definitely, I mean, even in the NBA, you could say the same thing. Like even like sex hormones are going out of, crazy i mean they don't have their families there they don't have their loved ones in the bubble in the nba that they literally there was like stories about them having to bring in masseuses from from out of the bubble <laughs> quarantining the masseuses and then you know doing the doing due diligence to the nba players so it's like what's gonna happen in the nfl you know what i'm saying so it's crazy I, I don't know if a bubble idea is going to work and if they do decide to change up a bubble idea, maybe do it by conferences or divisions, however you may want to do it. Yeah, but. that actually would be an interesting thing to do it by like maybe uh, divisions. So like maybe you could have, I know, see that's the messed up part is like the schedule's already out and see it would have been great if you like, you would have had like the schedule to where uh, NFC and AFC South they just like those teams just play each other as like majority of their schedule. So that way they don't have to do too much traveling kind of similar in a way to what, you know, MLB is doing, having like, you know, the AFC, uh, the, having the, uh, the, the West, the AOS going up against the NOS. And I was actually going to say that same exact thing is like to restrict. I mean, you still have three and a half weeks. That's more I mean, training camp, you really don't have to get up and move for training camp because there's no preseason game. So it's three and a half weeks you can take the schedules that they came out with in May and completely make a new one. And I think even for the safety of the players and the coaches and the staff members, make it maybe even a 10 game season instead of the 16 game season and, you know, have the six divisional games, two against each of the three division rivals. And then like you were saying, have four games against the opposing conference in the same region. So like the NFC West would play the AFC West and then AFC East, NFC East like that, like, like baseball. And then, maybe more like because of the scheduling it's a lot shorter maybe like the mlb again you extend the postseason maybe make it 16 teams and 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 this is only maybe for a one season thing and maybe when it comes to the postseason then maybe you throw out the idea of a bubble at that time because i mean and i think you could do a bubble in southern california because if you look at it we have so many stadiums we have the new SoFi Stadium, we have uh, the Coliseum, the Rose Bowl, you have Dignity Health Center. Like, those are four stadiums right there that you can play in. So maybe do a bubble in uh, L.A. The only so, thing about that, though, is California is the highest spot. state for COVID-19. So I mean, we were saying that about Florida. Yeah, that's true. And they were thinking about, you know, doing something over there with MLB. So... But overall, yeah, that that would be a, a good idea. The only thing though is three and a half weeks away. And if you wanted to even do that, if there was even rumors or talks about them switching up the schedule to that, you obviously would have to agree upon that with the players association. You have you would have to get the players' permission to be okay with that since you already made the deadline for opt-outs. So that 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 to me is like already up in the air is like do you extend that date do you allow players to like you know take that in as far as like okay we're changing up the season last minute three and a half weeks before and we're changing up the schedules you know three and a half weeks before we kick off 
to well, I think to, they, to they this, should for so. sure have a meeting because if it's you're putting the jeopardy of the entire season right full and, 17 weeks of football where you're traveling across the country during a gigantic pandemic it's like yeah i guess my biggest issue with the nfl is just treating this as like business as usual and just kind of just going as always things, just kind of going about things like well we'll see what happens and it's kind of like well that's kind of uh that's kind of not reassuring for me as a player or an employee there buddy it's like yo like if you were if imagine if this was like anybody else's job like if you were at your job and you know obviously covid is going on and they were still expecting you to come into work and you're like okay are we doing any safety precautions and they're like eh, we'll we'll let you know it's like what it's like hey hey yeah. hey <laughs> come on now and then you have jerry jones one of the owners mentioning how they're gonna do whatever they can to get fans into the stadiums it's like yeah i think i, I get i get you want to have fans in the stadiums i get that but just saying it right now i know you're like maybe they're thinking like oh that's, that'll pump people up for the season or oh that'll get people talking about the nfl or whatever but just that just comes off totally unaware of the situation that comes off completely tone deaf to what's happening in the world right now and that just makes people think like are you stupid like are you crazy having that conversation i feel like it's just like a bad look for the nfl especially when there are no sort of it as far as just looking at things the way they are now it's not looking as if this thing is going to go away three and a half weeks away a mm -hmm. month away two months three months away yeah, I mean, if any uh, league were to do it, it would be the NFL to be this oblivious and this ignorant about a gigantic pandemic. But I don't know. I mean, no bubble. It's going to be tough to even – I mean, I get the the difficulty of doing a bubble with the amount of players on a team and the amount of teams. I mean, you have 32 teams versus a 30 team in, like, the NBA or the MLB or something like that. So, And then plus – the MLB, I mean, the NBA was able to do that because it was uh, finished like three. You already had you were already halfway yeah. through the season, and you already had pretty much like the playoffs mm -hmm. somewhat looking like it was going to end up a certain way. Mm -hmm. So it's different doing it halfway through a season versus doing it an entire season. Like I don't know if the NBA could do this if this was an entire season. Like if the NBA season was just starting, I I think that would be a lot more complicated because that's a lot of more teams you have to factor in a lot more games you have to factor in it, it would just be a lot more tough i think yeah it will be interesting to see how the nfl does it when things start to spiral out of control because i'm calling it right now things are going to spiral out of control and we'll see we hope not a, but i feel like yeah it, it, it will probably end up like that we'll see how good of a commissioner roger goodell is so definitely gonna be tough for sure yep uh, let's talk about Hard Knocks, uh, HBO series inside training camp do this every year. And this year they're doing it on the two LA teams, Charger, Char Chargers and the Rams. And I mean, we have storylines lists like up and down the rosters, up and down the front offices on and off the field. But I think obviously the biggest story of the series is seeing how NFL teams, specifically the Rams and the Chargers adapt their training camp around the whole pandemic, both on the field, off the field, in the locker rooms, in the front office, uh, every aspect of the game, how they're going to, you know, adapt to this whole COVID-19 going on. But me and Corey right now are going to go through our 
biggest football storylines going into training camp for these two teams. So, Corey, what's your biggest storyline for the Chargers heading into training camp and the regular season? Well, I feel like the biggest storyline a lot of people will probably focus on is the quarterback position and with Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert, the rookie. But what I'm more so looking at, and it's not even like a, a major storyline, was wide receiver Keenan Allen was talking a lot about how he considers himself to be the best wide receiver in the AFC West when you got guys like Tyreek Hill in that division as well. So I don't know. I guess Cortland I Cortland Sutton. And Cortland Sutton as well. Shout out to Cortland Sutton. He was and my fantasy you guy. Have two two top two first round picks in Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy as well too. Yeah. So that that to me I think would be interesting if they got him talking or just just got him uh got like a, a question in or maybe just pricked his brain about it and if he was saying something like it's like <laughs> who you think is the number one receiver to the cameras or something like that. Like that, I think that would just be like a int- instantaneous funny meme and a legendary moment at Hard Knocks if you got him to to talk about it. And he's very vocal on social media. I mean, in the first episode of Hard Knocks, he but they they really didn't talk much about him or he. I don't think he talked at all in the first episode. But on social media, you know, he's very very uh, talkative. I mean, he first of all last year he was talking about his Madden rating. And while the hell it was so damn low <laughs> and then they finally gave him a boost. And second of all, with the NFL top 100 list just coming out uh, less than a month ago, he was, I think what somewhere in the seventies, mm-hmm. like he wasn't even high. There was, there was a good amount of receivers that were higher on, on the list than him. And he was just like, yo, there's no receiver better than me right now. So he's very vocal about, and, and he has a lot of confidence and he does have the game to back it up when healthy. That's the biggest thing. Uh, but my storyline going into the season, like you said, I think quarterback battles is the main one that everyone's talking about. But for me, I think it's a defense, just a defense in general. I mean, Joey Bosa, you just locked them up, give him the biggest contract for a defensive player. Then you have Derwin James, who's going to c- come back finally healthy. You have Desmond King and you have, uh, you have Casey Hayward. And then, not to mention, you just brought in Chris Harris, one of the top safeties. You'd stolen from a division opponent. So, I mean, this defense and then talk about their linebacker, first-round pick Kenneth Murray. We'll see how he plays as well, too. And then Melvin Ingram. So, I mean, this team on paper defensively is stacked, and you need to be stacked when you're going up against teams like the Kansas City Chiefs twice a year. And then, I mean – the Broncos look like they have a lot of promise on offense with the amount of weapons that they have. And with, with the Raiders, they're kind of a, a sleeper team. If you look at their offense as well, too, so many weapons. So I think this defense is going to have their work cut out for them. And if they can stay healthy, I think they can be a top defense in the league. But like I said, again, with Keenan Allen, if healthy. But let's talk about the Rams. What is your storyline going into the Rams this season? I think it was just going to be uh... – it's going to be a lot of focusing on head coach Sean McVay. Um, it recently came out that I guess ESPN was offering him a job. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay, ESPN out here throwing, shooting their shot, slipping in the DM midnight, just wondering like, hey, Sean, want to come over here and work at the network? 
<laughs> so I, well, I think it's a... because of like I remember there was like a clip of him where he was literally just memorizing plays. Yeah, like, what yeah, happened. yeah, yeah, yeah. From so, years ago, from exactly years ago. So I mean, like, of course, like you look at the landscape of NFL broadcasters. Obviously, Tony Romo. Tony Romo, yep, is is gonna be you know the guy, and a lot of of networks are now trying to get former NFL dudes in the broadcast booth, and so. Uh, Unless your name is Jason Witten. Oh man, damn! That's why he <laughs> went back and laced them up, baby. Yep, NFL for life. <laughs> Who is actually now a Raider as well, too? Irony, irony. But nah, for the Rams, I think it's going to be uh, a lot of focus on McVay, like I said. But overall, I think for both teams, I even forgot this. Both of these teams are moving into new stadiums, and I think that's going to be a huge storyline, especially for the Rams, because now they're moving out of the Coliseum, and now they're officially coming into uh, SoFi Stadium. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be really, really interesting to see how they – It's the most expensive stadium in the world. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting how they kind of perform this year in their new stadium. Yeah. Chargers better be uh, paying their rent on time to Stan Kroenke. But uh, <laughs> for me, I think the Rams, it's really just their identity for this team. I mean, one year they're in the Super Bowl. Next year, they're not even in the playoffs anymore. And I think a lot has to do with their salary cap concern. I mean, they have the best defensive player in the NFL, and their quarterback is getting paid more than the best defensive Ooh. player in the NFL. So I think just their, the entire salary cap is, is is crazy, and that's why they parted ways with Brandon Cooks, parted ways with Todd Gurley this offseason. So, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. And then obviously with the identity of this team, you let go of Todd Gurley and you just drafted a guy in Cam Akers. So to see how that works, and that offensive line is not getting any younger. So it's a very old offensive line. And then – alongside with Aaron Donald, you got Jalen Ramsey, who they, sh- they should be working out a deal soon. And in the first Hard Knocks episode, he was getting real pissed at reporters for asking him what's going on with uh, the contract negotiations and what is his standpoint. And uh, Jalen Ramsey just got up and walked out of the meeting, but they begged him to come back and he finally came <laughs> back to the meeting. But he, he should have told the reporters, he said, hey, yo, check it. You guys want to ask me football stuff? I asked you. I already answered that my agent and the team are working on the contract part. I'm focusing on football. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Jalen Ramsey. And I'm pretty sure the Rams are going to, like, back up to bring Chucks for him. Otherwise, they wouldn't have given up three first-round picks for him. Yeah, I forgot that they did give up a lot to get him. And, uh, I mean, that's going to be a huge storyline. I forgot about that, like, that whole uh, situation. But – um, yeah, I think like you said, the Rams, it's going to be really interesting to see also like how they do this year, because like you said, coming off a season where they just had so many issues and they, they always seemed like they were trying to figure things out after a year where they seemed like they had everything figured out and everything was just clicking on all cylinders for them. So this is a big year for their team, their coach and their quarterback as well. Um, I mean, one year, Jared Goff looks like a bust in, like, his – what, his, his rookie season. The next year, he looks like – I think he, <laughs> he was, looks like, like one of the second best. or third in MVP voting. Yeah, he looks guy. like one of the best players in the league. And then last year, he just looked very average at he best. like a system quarterback. So, I mean, that's, that's what I mean. Like, Jared Goff, uh, I, I heard somebody saying that they would take uh, – 
Jared Goff over Dak Prescott. And I'm just like, are you sure Mm-mm. about that, buddy? Are you Mm-mm. sure about that, buddy? But Dep- overall, what season are you talking about? Depends on what that's, season. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So I think Jared Goff is just one of those guys. He needs everything to be perfect around him. Otherwise, he's not going to be the dude to push you over the hump. Like, everybody loves to talk about uh, Russell Wilson's a game manager. I think maybe that should be what you say about Jared Goff. He might just be a game manager. And there's nothing bad about saying that. It's just saying that your quarterback is not elite. Saying that your guy is not going to be like Patrick Mahomes to just go out and win a game by himself. Wait, you think Russell Wilson's just a game manager? No, 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 no. I'm saying Jared Goff might be that guy. I'm saying – because people were saying – back when the Seahawks were as dominant that Russell Wilson's just a system quarterback and he's just uh, a guy that um, is a game manager. He just benefits from all the, all the guys that are around him, but that's not true versus Jared Goff. I think he might actually Mm -hmm. be a system guy. He just might be a game manager and he only has great numbers when he has uh, guys around him. He's not going to be the guy that wins you a game solely by himself i think goff and mcveigh should definitely reference um the last two years of the patriots with tom brady and bill belichick because tom brady wasn't putting up the flashy numbers but like you said was a game manager and that's what allowed the patriots to win ball games and get them to super bowls as well too so definitely something to think about but he definitely on paper does not have the weapons anymore (laughs) i mean no no he doesn't yeah so and and also this NFC West, toughest division in the NFL, in my opinion. You got the Cardinals on the up and rise. You have the 49ers, who were just in the Super Bowl, and then the Seahawks, who just traded for a top 10 defender in the league and really didn't lose a lot for him. So, in my opinion, it's going to be a very, very tough division. Rams are going to have to figure their shit out to see whether they want to, you know, kind of press the rebuild button or whether they can actually compete for a playoff spot so it will be interesting for sure most definitely all right well that's gonna wrap it up this episode appreciate y'all for listening gave you guys a little long episode because we missed out on friday sorry about that but check us out on social media the underscore nosebleeds on twitter the nosebleeds on instagram the nosebleeds podcast on facebook that's k-n-o-w-s bleeds check us out on spotify apple Podcasts. if you're listening on apple Podcasts, shoot us five star rating really helps us out write us a review if you're feeling generous we really appreciate that Corey, any last words also don't forget if you guys ever have any questions for us send those in as well um you, you can email us you can dm us you can just get your questions in if you ever want us to talk about a certain topic i know there's a lot of sports going on so there's so many different topics to get to i mean maybe Lionel messi leaves barcelona maybe he doesn't mm-hmm. but overall but overall i just think that nfl is gonna have a tough time uh when their season kicks off cannot wait for the nba playoffs to tip off and tonight baby we got them today sports going on and just cannot wait to see what happens in the realm of sports especially now uh during these times and with covid and everything it's just it's just it adds another element to an already dramatic and high tense situation so the nba playoffs is just going to be that much better and right now the nhl playoffs is going on so lots and lots of sports happening and a lot of sports is taking place so i just cannot wait to see what goes down 
Yes, sir. Ski. Well, that's going to do it. Appreciate y'all for listening. And we out. Deuces.